This is a Payone Media production. Hey, bro, let's get into this thing. It's Demasi and Michael just talking tech. So DM91, I appreciate Jeff and Doug for joining us in Clubhouse. If you are in Clubhouse and Michael needs to hit record in Reaper, otherwise he's not going to be able to to get a backup recording, even though I haven't used it, but this would be the time that I would actually need it. So now I'm yep. recording in Reaper. Exactly when you don't need it is yep. Yep. when you don't record it. Uh, but I want to thank everyone for joining us. If you are interested in joining us, then maybe you should get my phone number so you can call me or get Demasi's phone number, which is less likely, so you can call him and say, hey, are you recording? Like Jeff? <laughs> Yeah, any of those things. Yeah, so real quick while I'm pulling up the doc, uh, our thought did work. I am using a loopback pass-through device that's taking all audio from Chrome and it's, well, it's taking all audio from Chrome and all audio from C11 and sending that into Clubhouse. And then I'm here, or I'm monitoring it through channel six. Cool. Yeah. So that did work. Apparently, need to sign into uh, Google Docs. Huh. So I've been playing with Gravity Forms lately. Might as well jump in with that, unless you have something else to go into before we're, and just to, you know, tease Jeff to the end. <laughs> now, let's talk about Gravity Forms because you've been looking at some stuff. Uh recently with gravity forms i want you to go back and talk about a little bit of your experience though with uh visual form builder and then you know the comparison to your experience doing the exact same thing in gravity forms so i built a form for a client and i took what was it 30 yeah 30 minutes to build the form and to get it set up the way I wanted, partially the way I wanted it to be. Because I wanted to be able to thank someone on the thank you page and say, thank you, Jeff, thank you, Doug, thank you, Demasi, whoever, and put their first name there. Uh, I did get it to where I was able to say, thank you, Jeff Bishop, or thank you, Michael Babcock, uh, but not to get their first name. And again, it took me about 30 minutes. The process was very similar to Gravity Forms, but it wasn't exact, uh, especially with the confirmation and the, uh, what's that other one? Notifications, setting those up. And then I went and installed Gravity Forms on the same site. And I got Gravity Forms installed, figured, like went through the setup, and the same exact form set up in like 20, 26 minutes total. I probably could have did the form itself in like 19, 20 minutes. And it was... I think the exact words I used when I told Demasi this morning was light coming home uh, because I was able to, I, I knew where everything was. Visual Forms Builder isn't, it's not horrible, but it, I, I think you get a bit less customization than what you do with Gravity Forms. And if, if I had an opportunity to pick, I would go back to Gravity Forms. Now, I have not done a lot of a lot of add-ons the client that i walked into though had a lot of add-ons for vf and if i call it vfb i'm meaning visual form builder so they had a lot of add-ons for vfb already installed and i don't know that i necessarily need all of those but if you want 
and I can't remember any off the top of my head, but if you want to do some things with Visual Forms Builder, you need those add-ons in order to, to get like little things here and there done, where some of that is already built in by default to Gravity Forms. So uh, two similar plugins, they both have the heading issue which means you can't use heading navigation to quickly jump over to different sections of the form. And you can't, uh, you know, quickly jump to the settings of the form or jump back up to the top. However, I did find a way around this in gravity forms and that's using JAWS place markers. Did you, uh, the place markers do seem to be consistent per domain, not necessarily, it's not tied just to the form. So for example, let me, let me give an example. If I went to payon.media and I installed Gravity Forms on there, and I set, I set up one form and I set a place marker to the save button, for example, then if I set up a second form or even a third form on the same domain name, I could use that place marker navigation and jump to the save button. Did you get a chance to try that with Hotspots? I did, and it does work. Um... So I, I had previously set it up when we talked about this before uh, to do that. And I you know, was aware at least that it stuck on that one particular form. But I did go, you know, quickly throw together a couple or actually imported a couple of uh, forms that I downloaded from the Gravity Form site and set that up on a test domain. And, yeah, that did stick across uh, just on that particular site. It stuck across any form that I was editing. The save button uh, is where I set mine for also. Ah. Okay. Okay. Did you set yours to the general, like, because my thought is to set it to the general tab, for example, so I can quickly jump to the general tab. Although I will say with Gravity Forms 2.6, and Jeff asked me about that, so I'll ask you here in a second too. With Gravity Forms 2.6, it seems when I hit that settings for forms to be very reliably jumping me over to that general tab of the settings. Have you found any accessibility problems with Two six, I have not myself, but I also have not found improvements for things that we have asked Gravity Forms to fix. Haven't seen any of those improvements we've been asking for now. So it's interesting because for me, at least on the Mac, with prior versions to 2.6, uh, it consistently, when I hit settings on a field, consistently jumped me to the um, general section to, to the, uh, of the settings. So. Does it still do that? Yes, yes okay. it does. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's still doing that. Uh, but yeah, it was consistently doing that for me beforehand. I was like, well, that is a nice feature because of how it's kind of, you know, buried. Well, not necessarily buried, but, you know, it's a, it's a long way to go uh, if you have to navigate from the actual form field. <laughs> hey, Joel, appreciate you jumping in and listening. We are recording DM91. That'll be live on Tuesday at your own pay.com forward slash DM91. And I was going to edit that out, but I'm also going to leave it in because I just realized we hadn't set the show note or, yeah, link for show notes yet. Now yeah, people know where to go. And we would have gotten in at some point. Event. So That's have you found any accessibility challenges, though, yet with 2.6? No, I haven't run into anything. It's, it's pretty much kind of, you know, status quo. I mean, where, where we've kind of been since they ironed out some of the extreme roughness of 2.5, uh, it just seems kind of consistently working. Uh, there are mm. things that I still would like. Uh, I would like more 
hitting navigation. And I'm going to be fair. Like, I'm asking for hitting navigation. I think maybe, Michael, you're looking for that. Other people are looking for that. It is entirely possible that if I were to not be such an old person setting my ways, <laughs> that I could navigate around that form using other HTML elements that the screen reader can navigate by. It's just not what right. I'm used to. And yeah. I have not tried to make that adjustment. The most that I've done is start to uh, set those hotspots uh, with voiceover so that I can easily jump to specific areas that I know I'm going to be back and forth between. Like the save button is important because it's way at the top. And, you know, that that's, that is that is problematic. I do feel like, though, for general usability, my behavior, while I do know that there are other ways to possibly accomplish this, my behavior, I think, is indicative of what a average screen reader user is going to expect and not having that there i think is detrimental in a lot of ways because even on the block editor uh in wordpress there's a heading that will get you back to the top of that space and there's other heading uh markup for different settings depending on what you have exposed and not exposed at the at the time so i, I feel that it's valuable and since they're trying to build the form builder to more closely match the layout and design of the block editor, uh, I think is is beneficial to everyone that is a screen reader user to have those headings in place. So I see here in the notes, the only thing we have for this episode, just throwing <laughs> that out there, uh, the rest of the episode that we talk about is going to be off the cuff because neither one of us put notes in like we're going to. Although I have a to-do list rant, but that's besides the pay point. Uh, in here, Demasi, you had Gravity Forms as a note. By the way, I do not like Google Docs with VoiceOver. I'm recording on the Mac. I do not like Google Docs on the voice with VoiceOver. But uh, what did you discover with Gravity Forms? So hold on, I got to back up to that that point for a second. Though. What is it about VoiceOver and Google Docs that's annoying you? Because I'm curious if you're running to the issue that I have encountered or if it's something entirely different. So at first, I couldn't get navigation to go up and down. It looks like it's working now after I command grov back over to the clean feed window and then back into Google Docs. At first, I wasn't able to get, uh, like voiceover just wasn't responding when I was pressing up and down arrows without the VO keys. It looks like it's working now, so I might have to play with it a little bit. And maybe Google Docs j didn't fully load when I tried, but that's the issue that I was having. Now it's working just fine, of course, because I'm talking about it. Of course. So one issue that I, I have uh, semi-retunely run into is that if you do a text selection, as soon as you finish selecting text, like for some reason it sticks, there, there's apparently like a little area, uh, if you VO right out of the um, edit field, that it sets voiceover focus there and you're trying to arrow up and down to be like, okay, well, let me delete this or let me hit delete. And you think you're doing something and you're not because it has moved your focus out of that window. And that has been a consistent issue. I will tell you, I am actually using Chrome beta, uh, but one password is working again without uh, telling me that Chrome is busy. Hey, that's good. Um, I am not getting selection feedback. So I just wrote a line at the top that said this is a text for this is a test text selection and then i hit command shift right arrow to highlight the line and it does not read that and if i shift down arrow it's not reading anything to me right now 
Uh, but if I go and I hit command left arrow to get to the beginning of the line and command shift right arrow to select it and I press backspace, then the line disappears. So it is selecting, but voiceover is not giving me that feedback. I, it huh. could be a verbosity change that I made, but it also could be a Google Docs issue. Um, Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. So fun um, discoveries with Gravity Forms? Yeah, I've just been, you know, looking around, exploring the landscape. So uh, I mentioned this in the last show, which was Gravity Wiz uh, and DM90. So I've been looking at their bundle of uh, plugins. They have some nice stuff. And Mike, I think you took a look at them a little bit today, too. Yep. I will say two things about Gravity Wiz. Uh, number one, like it is, their website is an extremely good resource for tips tricks and even little code snippets uh to tweak and customize gravity forms even if you don't spend any money with them like they have a ton of snippets that are just publicly available they actually have a uh, github repo now they're trying to move all of their snippets that they've they've shared over the years over into a github repo so we'll drop that in the show notes at your own pay.com slash dm91 See, I'm gonna have I to look at that. Yeah, yeah, we get to. I'm gonna have to look at that because I found their blog with all their different blog posts and snippets. But I, a GitHub repository would be amazing to browse through. I think. Yeah, I'm gonna share uh, two links actually in the show notes. One will go to the GitHub repo that they're working on. But the one of the um, founders of Gravity Wiz uh, has a on his page up under a bunch of gists he has uh, a ton of gravity form snippets like there's there's several pages of them so i'm assuming this is where they're pulling a lot of that from to move over to the github repo uh, so what, they say it is a work in progress so what is gravity whiz i know we mentioned it uh, so gravity whiz yeah so outside of giving you some great tips and, and tutorials on doing things with gravity forms gravity whiz is actually a company that builds uh add-ons for gravity forms uh, they have a whole suite of what they call perks so gravity perks is their product that they sell and they have something in the order of like 30 or 31 36 perks. is what ah geez man they, they have they've been <laughs> on it yep as of today as of recording they're at 36 Oh man, it'll be thirty-eight by the time we publish. Man, those guys—they <laughs> do right. claim that they're they're trying to release one every three to four months. Yeah, and they seem to be consistently updating them. So it's not like they they built a bunch of them and then you know the first five don't ever see any updates because they're working on a new one. Like they are consistently keeping up with all of them. I actually signed up for the newsletter. Uh, so the way that this works with Gravity Perks, it is a paid plugin. There's no free version, but you know Gravity Forms. Um. You have to install their perks plugin first, and then typically the way that you would go about doing this would be to go to the library. So very much like, like the um, once you install Gravity Forms and licenses, you can go through and look at the add-ons and ah, install okay. the ones that you want. Yeah, it's the same setup for Gravity Perks. Uh, depending on your license level in Gravity Perks, determine how many of their perks you can actually install on the site. I believe it is $59 gets you one perk. Uh, 149 gets you three perks. I believe that's across three sites. I will double check that. The interesting thing about that 149 package, though, is uh, however many sites that is licensed for, I can't remember if it was three or five, uh, each individual site that you license for that plugin picks its own three 
perks that it wants. So it's not locking you in the way some of these uh, packages do with, with some WordPress plugins where it's like, oh, for our, you know, middle bundle, you get this, this, and this. Mm. It's like, no, you get three. So when you license the plugin, you go pick the three that you want for this site. Uh, so, you know, pay on media, for example, like Mike may want these three perks on his site. I may want an entirely separate three perks on my site, but because we have that license for those three sites, we're able to do that. Uh, so I think that's a pretty cool way of handling a bundle. Uh, and then for two ninety nine, you get what is called their pro version, and that gets you all of the perks and unlimited sites. Also gets you some priority support, which uh, I will drop a. I will put this link in the show notes too. I'll send it to Mike uh, to put in the show notes, or actually to go in the Google Doc. But you could just put it in the Google Doc. Yeah, yeah, that's what <laughs> I did. Uh, but there is a and Mike. I think I shared this with you. The uh, blog post they wrote. It was sort of like a case study in a way, not a full-blown case study, but sort of a case study of how a uh, marketing company built a customer portal yep. uh, for uh, their customers and, and, and their their uh, employees because they're like an advertising agency. So, like, you know, uh, very cool setup just using Gravity Forms and a few Gravity Perks. Uh, but they pointed out in that article, which I don't think I knew before that, that on their pro plan, like you get additional assistance. It's not just, hey, reach out and we'll answer your question super quick. It's like, oh, you're trying to do this thing that we don't quite do. We will, you know, write a snippet for you or help, you know, help you customize the plugin to do exactly what it is you want to do. So I found that to be a very interesting approach as well. Uh, and at least one of the guys, David Smith, who does a lot of the posting over there, uh, actually works at or works for a rocket genius. So he's one of the main developers on the actual gravity forms plugin, which is, just seems to be sort of a, a thing. Uh, yeah. The guy who develops gravity flow, which is another, uh, uh, man, I, I, I started gravity. to go down that rabbit hole today and I'm like, Ooh. I don't got the money for it, but man, that would be nice. <laughs> uh, he, he also is a, uh, developer of gravity form so it seems like these guys step outside to add things that maybe doesn't go into the core product but it's more than just a snippet here and there so they go off and build a whole nother thing so that seems to be working what did you like about gravity flow like i look at it i'm like that looks like it'll be useful but i'm not exactly sure where i would deploy that at so from the basic research that I did, and, and I did not I did not let myself go down that rabbit hole as far as I could have, uh, we've had a lot more going on this week. I haven't really been able to sit down, and again, I don't have the money for it, but it looks like for people who, let's give you an example. I want to create, I'm not doing this, but let's say for Oregon, I wanted to create a form that someone can go fill out a grant application, and then... For that grant application, a education person and a eye doctor need to both submit letters of recommendation. And my understanding is, is with something like Gravity Wiz, um, you can can Gravity Flow. You can see too many gravities. You can mm -hmm. uh, set it up so, let's say, Demasi fills out the application and does his part, then he can have it send his eye doctor a link that they can go and upload their letter of recommendation. And then after that's done, then uh, uh, educator can go and upload their letter of recommendation. And then the whole form is at that point submitted to the committee who need to be able to process that grant application. Is that is that the way you understand it too? Is that it would yeah, allow things yeah. like that to happen? 
Yeah, yeah, that is a use case for it. Uh, they also mentioned on their website, uh, and this is Gravity Flow, where we're talking, we, we completely shifted to a whole other set of plugins. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they also mentioned using it for things like onboarding forms, um, uh, employee vacation requests, di- different things. Essentially, if you need a Gravity form uh, to have multiple steps going through sort of a process, so kind of like the way that a piece of paper would typically flow uh, throughout a, a office in the corporate space. So, you know, first, you know, Jeff has to, well, we'll, we'll put Jeff at the end because Jeff. <laughs> We're just trying to keep so, you around, Jeff. <laughs> uh, so first, Demasi, you know, uh, submits a report. You know, I fill out a report. And then that has to go to Michael who reviews it and then either signs off on it or sends it back to me for more information or to make some corrections. And then once Michael signs off on it, it goes up to Jeff and then Jeff is able to say, okay, this is all approved and file that away. And the thing is, Jeff can't sign off on it until Michael has done his part and Michael can't do anything until I've done my part. So it's good for like those multi-step processes uh, of any type of form submission that you need to happen. And there's, there's, you know, tons of add-ons that they have uh, there for that. There's payment processes. So, uh, we actually looked at this a couple of years ago for trying to, or I was looking at, I think I was talking to Michael about it. I was looking at using this for uh, a, a customer a couple of years ago uh, to allow them to have a, a super nice onboarding form mm-hmm. so that when a potential customer came to their site, they could have them fill out their, their intake form uh, to find out what they needed. Um, the next step would be to book an appointment with this person. Uh, once they booked the appointment and did their original, you know, did their initial assessment or whatnot, uh, the uh, company owner would then go in and, you know, write whatever notes. And then just by checking a box, say, hey, this person is going to continue in this process or no, this is not going to work right. And then whatever, you know, if they check the box to keep going forward, then the next step is, you know, uh, sending a link back to the person to, to you know, go through another step in the form where they're going to, you know, upload some information or, or, you know, pick a package that they want to, uh, pick a package that they would like to take advantage of as far as payment and then go through the payment process. And it's just kind of a whole little flow and it was cool, but yeah, gravity flow is kind of expensive. It's, yeah. it's a little up there. Yeah. We um, need two of you to go to your own pay.com slash support in order for me to be able to afford that. Well, I mean, probably more of you, but, but let's start with two. <laughs> yeah. We, we need, we need you to go to your own pay.com slash support. Uh, so we can buy that or buy gravity wins because you know, I, I would have thought gravity flow was perfect and definitely everybody listening, go check out, uh, your own pay.com slash DM 91 when it publishes, uh, there will be a link to this this sort of uh, lightweight case study that they did of this company from Gravity Wiz. Uh, I would have thought the process that they used, though, Mike, in that uh, for that 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 client portal that they built uh, for all of those processes would have been a thing that you would have went to Gravity Flow for. So the fact that they built that whole situation yeah. just using Gravity Forms and some Gravity Wiz perks was was actually kind of amazing. I was like, you know, this is a little bit more in depth probably than I thought it was a couple of interesting perks for me from gravity whiz though are the populate anything is, is amazing. Uh, Why is that amazing? Man, I'll tell you why this is amazing. So the populate anything perk from gravity whiz 
uh, allows you to essentially so um, it sounds flippant but it allows you to do exactly what it says you can populate anything into a form field from anywhere else so you can pull data that was previously submitted in another gravity form you can pull post information you can pull user data you can pull any other data out of the database it, it essentially allows you so i'll give you an example of that thing that'll make it a little bit more concrete let's say you have built a website and there are several people you know, you have your administrators, you have your, your, your editors that can go in and post uh, content, and you have contributors, right? Well, let's say a contributor, and you, you have locked this site down in such a way that everybody submits their post content for review through Gravity Forms. So you use the create post uh, features of Gravity Forms. So when they submit the form, it uh, puts the post in pending status and asks somebody to review it. Say you publish this article. And you want a way for people to be able to update their post because, again, you're not trying to give people access to the admin area of the WordPress site. Like you're trying to keep them when they're logged in on the front end of the site so they're not poking at stuff <laughs> uh, that they shouldn't be poking at. Uh, because that's what people do is they poke yes. at things when they shouldn't be poking at them. So you keep everything on the front end of the site. So you're using Gravity Forms for post submission. Well, how would you update a post? Well, Gravity Forms doesn't natively have a way to do that. But with the populate anything, you could have Michael log in to go update a post because he's got new information or something that he wrote was was factually wrong or, or sort of miswritten. So it's like, oh, we need to you know correct that statement. Uh, that's not what Tim Cook said. He did not say that the <laughs> Mac Pro was coming in November. He said we will have more news about the Mac Pro yep. in November. So I need to go update that. So I log in. I'm not going to pick on Mike. I log in to go fix my mistake because I wasn't paying attention to Tim Cook. Uh, so I log in and I go to the update post form. So I click a link, takes me to the update post form. First thing is the form that comes up for me is going to automatically using the populate anything form it is going to automatically have a list of the posts because that's how the form would have been built to automatically pull a list of posts that i have published uh to the site uh no whether i don't have to wait through anybody else's posts just any posts that are posted by demasi i pick from a drop down say i need to edit this uh you know update about the mac pro and then it, it loads up that article and i edit that article and hit republish and then it goes live again and it updates the original post because he can yes. populate anything. So it doesn't create a separate post and then delete it. It just updates the original post. It just post. updates the original post. Now, uh, the Gravity Whiz uh, perk that I found that I'm like, hey, that is cool. I really want that. Uh, would let me set a number. And then each time someone selected that form. So let's say you have five positions available, for example. And I want to make people not be able to pick that specific position again after all five of them have been selected then uh, you can set up a uh, number in the field and then say hey as long as there's more than zero of this then show this as a radio button option otherwise once it hits zero then hide that radio button option so you don't have to hide the entire form or you don't have to hide the entire question you can just choose to hide options while you're creating a form. I am going to be playing with Gravity Wiz in the next couple of months. I, th I think I'm going to have to make the plunge and, and pick it up because it's going to give me some more flexibility with some website work that I'm involved in that mm -hmm. we could sit down and do something. I have one more question about this and we'll move on to another topic. So if you're bored with Gravity Forms, just stick around for a little bit longer. Although, although, 
Gravity Forms does solve all your problems, right, Devontae? <laughs> <laughs> I tweeted that uh, today on my personal Twitter. I'm like, as at Demasi says, at Gravity Forms solves all your problems when it comes to forms. So, uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> if you're listening, Gravity Forms. But we've seen, I've seen this. We've talked about it. Can you walk me through, is this an instance where I'd want to use, oh, that plugin that I can't remember the name of? Or how would you add one of these snippets to, one, to your Gravity Forms? Ah, okay. So, there are three ways to do it. I'm going to give you the main two ways that I do it. Uh, and I will mention the third one. So, the plugin you're trying to think of is Code Snippets. Yeah, there we go. Uh, you could absolutely add that snippet by using code snippets uh, and just dropping in because essentially all code snippets and there's there are other plugins that do this. I kind of trust code snippets a little bit more because they've been around for a while and and they seem to stay on top of things. Uh, that's not to you know say everybody else doesn't, but of all the plugins that do this, they seem to be one of the better ones uh, for security purposes because essentially what you're doing with code snippets and the way that it operates is it's it's very analogous to doing the second method that i'm going to mention which is just making an mu plugin with the code that you want to run on a gravity form uh which is the way that i do it a lot of times because i don't want to put code snippets on somebody's site and have them again go poking at stuff because mm -hmm. uh, you can back to that poking <laughs> can absolutely wreck your site now one good thing about code snippets uh and i actually learned about code snippets from uh generate press uh, it was actually uh, their recommendation if you wanted to add some custom php code but you didn't want to go through the third process which is uh create a a child theme and then you know add stuff to your functions.ph because that's what everybody tells you to do so add this to your themes function.php file and it's like <laughs> i don't really want to go through the process of creating a whole freaking child theme just to do this thing uh, so what I have found useful is code snippets in some scenarios works. Uh, a, a handy feature of code snippets is if you write some code or paste in some code that is going to throw an error on your site, when you hit to save it, it's going to tell you, hey, this would do blah, blah, blah to your site. So uh, we did not actually activate this snippet. Go back and try to edit it and fix it. Uh, so it keeps you from taking your site down. Whereas if you do the second thing, which is, Open up a text file, uh, put the PHP uh, intro at the top, uh, put all the necessary things you need for a plug-in at the top, you know, just a little intro area or whatnot, and then you paste in this Gravity Forms code, tweak it to your specifications, save it, upload it to your server, to the MU plugins folder. If you screwed up something, it's going to take your site down, and you're going to have to figure out what, what happened. Now, simple thing, just go delete the file that you just uploaded, uh, and your site will come back. But... Code Snippets does offer that protection, uh, and it is a very quick and dirty way to do it. Oftentimes, what I do now is I will use code snippets on uh, local or staging site to make sure something I want to do is actually going to work, especially if I'm customizing something very heavily. Like, oh, they gave me a starting point, but I need to really tweak this to, because I only want this to apply to, you know, these three forms, not all of the forms on Gravity Forms or, or, or whatever on the site. I will use code snippets to test that out. And then when I move that person's site live, I will add that code into a must-use plugin uh, on their site and then just call it like gravity forms tweaks or something like that okay okay that that is definitely helpful because i'm sure if i would have went down or watched the video or kept reading the help me that i would the help documentation i would find that information out 
But I figured since we were recording, I'd just pick your brain for a second because there's probably listeners who are curious too. Yeah, they would have told you add it to your themes functions.php file. Uh, I think maybe Gravity Wiz does. Gravity Forms typically, so Gravity Forms help documentation is always telling you add stuff to your functions.php file. I'm sorry, but if you <laughs> added all the stuff they told you to add, your functions file would be super long. <laughs> uh, Gravity Wiz, I think, does on occasion, you know, say add to your functions.php or put it in a must use plugin or MU plugin. Uh, which is, but code is snippets would be the same, pretty much. Yeah, code snippets would also be the same because that's essentially what it is doing. It's just that you're doing it inside of WordPress versus adding an extra file to your uh, to your server. But that's essentially what it's doing. It's writing the same thing. Gotcha, gotcha. So side with that whole child theme thing, though. Uh, if you have a child theme already seriously consider how much stuff you stuff into your functions.php like if you have a ton of gravity form snippets for example that you need to add to your site like don't just dump it all into things uh functions.php uh make a make a subfolder uh and well or put it in your includes folder and make yep. a file or a folder subfolder depending on how much stuff you have to actually add for gravity forms and then just include that file into the functions.php so it doesn't get out of hand because you keep adding snippets and keep adding snippets and next thing you know you got you know 750 lines of code in a functions.php file and you're like where's that one thing that i made that i need to now disable because it's screwing up everything and use comments if you get find yourself use into that, comments use comments Definitely. Always, yeah. Even if you make a separate file for each individual right. little snippet in a folder, comment like, to tell yourself what comment. it is because this you're going to look does. at this six months down the road and be like, "What in the hell was I? What doing? was I thinking about?" Uh-huh. <laughs> I've done that to myself. I've done, man, I went to the blind employment site one time when it was on WordPress and I I was editing something because we were getting ready to do a thing and I opened up the the child theme and I was looking at some code and I was like, I don't know why I did this. Uh, you know what? I don't think this actually needs to be here. Maybe I was just testing something. I didn't clean up behind myself. Let me take that out. <laughs> and then something stopped working. And I was like, oh, yeah. that's what that was. That's Comments. what that was for. Comments are your friend. So I promise we won't close this episode out talking about WordPress, but we will uh, probably come back to this because I am playing with WordPress more, both for myself personally and for a couple of clients that have reached out to me. Thank you to each of you if you're listening really appreciate it and you are starting i just appreciate you listening yeah uh yeah. and you can also go to your own pay.com slash support you know if you want to support the show the two people in clubhouse one is not <laughs> doug other person if you want to if, if you get entertainment you've been here for a little while so you know your own pay.com slash support uh so demasi <laughs> i've been playing first of all i was going to mention this about clubhouse i th- i may have seen this last time but club deck now will integrate with restream so if one of these days uh someone does wow. definitely support us we can get a restream membership and then restream to other services on top of using club deck because with the use of loopback and the mixer i am streaming into loop or into club deck using loopback so people can hear demasi and myself and then we could just restream to Facebook or YouTube or TikTok. Or I don't think I can stream to TikTok because I'm a thousand <laughs> followers. But still, uh, Not yeah, yeah, yeah. Although no, I don't think that was a feature last time, or at least you didn't mention it to me uh, the last time. 
my blindness related showing people how a blind person uses specific products videos have probably been my most popular one the most popular video that I have on TikTok right now was how a blind or uh, listen to a blind person use a ham radio. Huh. Which kind of surprised me because it's a younger demographics. So I didn't think anyone would really care, but it, it's been my most popular one. Yeah. And quick side note, because I'm fond of side notes, hotspots are amazing on chrome os so i was in club deck and i hit vo zero and forgot that i was in club deck and it jumped me over to chrome to the hotspot where zero was so i could save the file so that was nice that is cool i did not know that yeah so it's so it's a different oh hot hot spot versus web spot okay got yep. you i think that's what it's called let me see yeah 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 the zero yeah. through nine uh one through zero or whatever yep one through zero those are hot spots so those yeah. jump you actually to a specific spot they're they're not uh, I, what i was doing is web spots for uh but they're also not phones. limited to only working in the web too with hot spots yeah, you that's can what set I mean. those like yeah, yeah that, that's the difference like web spots are what i was using for the save button and stuff in gravity forms uh which is you know, tied to the behavior on that particular website. Another website may have an entirely different hotspot. Uh, I mean, web spot. Hotspots, however, yeah, they, those are tied to where you set them, and you only get ten. If yeah, I'm not mistaken. I don't yep. think you can add any more. Nope, ten. You get ten. So cool. Did not know that it would take you to a whole other application because I don't really use them. Maybe I should start using them. You and if you hit VO command and your hotspot number, it'll tell you what's there without moving you there. Ah, that is handy. So my thoughts about Todoist are don't change your Gmail email address if sign in with Gmail is the only way to get into Todoist. So what I've learned, I changed my email address to michael at payone.media, but I still have michael at your own pay. And Todoist was set to sign in with Google, and it was associated with Michael at your own pay. Well, Google was signing me in, and I'm going to be fully transparent. This is the only app I've had this issue with. So Google was signing me in with my Michael at your own pay, or Michael at payone.media, which happened to accidentally, or maybe not accidentally, create a brand new account in Todoist. And I was starting to freak out because I thought I lost all my tasks and Though I have a love-hate relationship with Todoist, I definitely want to be able to access my tasks. And uh, long story short, I ended up changing my domain name back to your own pay temporarily so I can sign into Todoist and choose to remove Google from my account after I added the sign-in with Apple. And all of that sounds slightly convoluted, but the principle of the matter is, is if you're using sign-in with with Todoist specifically and maybe other services too. Go in and see if there's a way to set up a backup way to sign in because these are great as long as you can get into your account. And maybe you maybe your admin isn't as nice as my admin and won't let you switch your domain name back over to what it was so you can get back into that one account that you never updated. Uh, so that that's what I want to say about Todoist. And in that adventure anyone who's listened to me while now and demasi for a while now knows that we're fond of text expander i have had a very hate relationship with text expander on windows uh it, it teases me it looks like it's going to work for a couple of days or or a couple of hours and then all of a sudden i lose access to my keyboard except for Control alt delete 
But even if I hit Control Alt Delete, I still can't type Alt T to get to the Task Manager to kill Text Expander because something locks up with my keyboard. Te uh, Smile can't figure out the issue, uh, and I haven't been able to figure out how to reliably be able to use Text Expander in Windows. That being said, however, on a whim the other day, I decided to install the Text Expander for Chrome extension, and uh, Thursday I was using it for work and just going through tickets like very quickly because I had Text Expander snippets already set up and and getting some automated work on the web done by using text expander snippets. So if text expander is not working for you, try using the Chrome extension. Um, I do believe it will work with Edge as well. I have not specifically tested that. Now, Demasi, did you go in and try it yet? And have you tried to edit snippets on .textexpander.com? I did not do either one of those things. Okay. Because I started building an SSO system. So. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, editing snippets in Text Expander on the web is night and day to even editing Text Expander snippets on when, on the Mac uh, with Text Expander because you can move fill-in snippets around or uh, move the keyboard snippets, including the clipboard or the tab key. And you can edit around those, whereas on the Mac, at least from my experience, and I think Demasi can second this, uh, voiceover does not like it when you are near a clipboard thing trying to, you know, see how many spaces are there. It'll just stop talking. It's really weird. Yeah, it is. But that that's, that is what happens. That That is not an unusual behavior uh, if you paste in something or have the app itself automatically insert uh, some type of text into an edit field. That is not an unusual behavior for me in other um, uh, not Chromium apps. What am I trying to say? Uh, Elect thank you. Electron apps. Uh, so that, yes. What, so you can type perfectly. If you're just typing stuff into the field, you can navigate around it and edit that fairly easily. Um, in most cases, I haven't had really much problems with that. But as soon as you go to add one of the text expander you know, like insert clipboard or uh, insert date or anything like that. Like at that point, you can no longer edit uh, with voiceover inside of those edit fields. It's super annoying. Um, honestly, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. Like if Text Expander didn't solve, if I had not put so much time in the Text Expander when it was just a native Mac application and getting snippets set up for things, I probably would not still be using it. Uh, and I actually, when I reset this computer the last time, like it took a while before I actually yep. installed Text Expander. And it only was when I realized my fingers were typing things and things were not happening and I did not know what I had done. Uh, that I was like, oh, I gotta go and install Text Expander because, um, yeah, some some I actually rely on it and just don't think about it. I think I use it more than I actually realize I'm using it. When when did you install Text Expander? Because it's been recently, hasn't it? Yeah. So let's see. I wiped the Mac right before we recorded. Last, matter of fact, I yep. wiped the day that we recorded last time. So I, actually, two weeks ago uh, is when I wiped the Mac. I don't think I installed Text Expander until like last Friday. So I if even then, I want to say it was Tuesday of this week. It, it, <laughs> might have, it could have actually have been this week. It might have been Monday or Tuesday yeah. this week because yeah. I think I sent you an email with something, and I was like, "Oh, I was about to put my yep. signature in," and I went to the I was like, "Oh man, I really got to go install it now because I keep doing stuff and then nothing happens." And I'm like, "Wait, oh yeah, that's right." <laughs> 
Uh, and I had terminal stuff going on and I was typing commands and like it wasn't expanding out my snippet to create a database in MySQL. And I was like, oh man, what the, oh yeah. Blue install text expander. <laughs> now. <laughs> Command space T. Brew install text expander. <laughs> Look, that would have been a Hey Siri command. Hey Siri, install text expander. <laughs> somebody. Right. Brew, Siri, somebody. <laughs> One <install> of you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, 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 yeah. We were talking about client portals and all of that stuff, and you mentioned that. Because uh, we were talking about Jetpack CRM and, and the client portal plugin I had been looking at and a couple other things. And you mentioned that at some point you would like to be able to start your day by uh, logging into your WordPress site's admin and getting things done from in there, being able to track everything. And you said, I do see some problems with that. And I'll tell you what I see those problems are when we get on the show. And the first problem that I see is if... Everything that I do in my day is in one WordPress site, like all my logins and, and, you know, I'm storing all my notes or my tasks are in there and everything like that. Like my, my WordPress dashboard is my life dashboard is the way that I envision seeing it. Like if I need to know what, what do I have to do for work, click on work tasks and be able to get a list of work tasks that are pulled in from the API with Todoist. See, I've, I've even got this how, how I'd like to see it, it happen. If something comes up, I use heading navigation or an edit uh, field to jump to a quick add edit box that I type it in and it's added to Todoist, et cetera. If that breaks and I'm dependent on that dashboard to do anything and I don't remember how to do things with the tools that have integrated <laughs> with WordPress, then I see my entire life falling apart. And that's where I was going with, with that is, uh. is if we don't have a backup, speaking of which, if you're interested in backing up your WordPress sites automatically before you do anything on them, feel free to head on over to your own pay.com forward slash DM91 and click on the link for Demasi's affiliate link or updraft i almost forgot the name of it uh and and get get updraft because updraft is amazing but that's the place where i envision there being an issue and then lastly and this kind of comes into your ssl setup let's say michael wasn't smart in using one password like there are a couple of places where i'm not using one password and i use a weak password and i don't use 2fa then someone has access to everything because everything is in one place. I'm not too worried about that right now, but that is another consideration if going down this path. So I'm going to address that second concern first. If we had this working and we, you had your dashboard set up like that, there's absolutely 100% no way whatsoever that I would not have dropped Duo on that site a long time ago. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I get it, I get it. Like, so I, I wouldn't even care, like, if you had a strong password, if you just memorized the password, if it was a short password. There would be a second factor. There would be duo on that site, absolutely, yeah. 100%. Uh, because, uh, man, duo, this is a whole other conversation. I don't know, I will, we'll come back to that maybe. Because, uh, man, talking to some of these security companies, what are little businesses supposed to do? Jeez. <laughs> anyway. Uh, what are your thoughts about that dashboard concept? So, 
as I mentioned to you then, like, yeah, we should talk about that because that is absolutely a thought that I've had. It's like I, I maybe I didn't probably take it as far as you did with, you know, I'm going to integrate with the, you know, to do its API and have all that stuff pulled in. I maybe would have gotten there, but initially I've been thinking as one of the reasons I've been looking at uh, client portals slash CRM being able to manage customers because I want all of that inside of WordPress so I can keep track of my customers and what's going on and be able to uh, share data or have them be able to contact me from inside there versus just sending me an email because I will lose stuff in email. I'm sorry. It, it yeah, we both do. We, we came to that conclusion the other day. Things have gotten lost in email. If you've reached out to us via email and we didn't reply to you, it's not because we don't like you in most instances. It's because we probably missed your email. Yep, it's entirely possible uh, that I missed your email. So, you know, taking it a step further than just, you know, customer management and giving customers somewhere to log into to, to handle specific things, um, I do like that idea. Like, one thing that I wanted to do, because I, I manage a few sites, I don't manage every single site that I host or that I even that I work on, but a lot of them are managed in Git. So they're, they're hosted on GitHub and I, I use, you know, uh, different methods of deployment depending on who, you know, what the site is and all of that. But uh, essentially their site files, you know, the code, any custom code I've written uh, is all in Git. So one thing that I would like to be able to do to centralize a lot of this stuff is like have a person submit a form inside of the website and I just haven't built it, but you know, have somebody submit a gravity form and depending on what type of issue they're reaching out to me for support for either that comes to me by some means like Slack or, or I wish stuff would integrate with Google chat. I kind of like Google chat. I know that's probably not a popular, uh, thing to say but i actually kind of at least on the phone i haven't spent too much time with it on the actual web but on the phone like i, I kind of like it uh especially since it's built into the gmail app now. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, we're right here i can't get away from it uh <laughs> but you know i get notified through slack uh you know to a specific channel so like you know pay on media has its channel and if michael is reaching out because there's an issue with you know this particular area of, of topic or he has a question about something where well, that goes through slack but if it's an actual bug like hey when i submit this form this is happening where well, that gets filed as an issue to github mm -hmm. uh, or uh if mike's like hey don't forget or i need you to do this by such and such a date and he picks a thing to like hey future fix or future thing you know i haven't worked out all the topic areas or whatnot but some things will go to todoist automatically based off the fact that you know you selected this particular option or something gets filed as a github issue so that when i'm working on your stuff i see that issue right there and it's like okay let me do this and when i check off that issue you get notified uh being able to manage uh one thing that i've been playing with is ways to uh, and this is the hard part for me. I think a part of it is just that I, I, I have a sort of innate fear of trying to design anything uh, that has to be visual. Yeah. Uh, but one thing that I want to be able to do also is get a quick overview of, you know, like where where is money at right now? Like what's going on with Stripe? How, how does this look? Uh, pulling all of that stuff into a centralized location and like you like what what should I be working on or what am, what am I working on like I can go in and say okay I'm working on the your own pay .com redesign so I log into my WordPress site first and 
I go just check a, you know, tick a box or hit a button that says I'm working on this, right? And then, you know, maybe Mike gets notified that I'm working on stuff or something like that. Right. Uh, but more so to the point then, I, I have an SSO platform where I can just click a link and now I'm logged into youronpay.com if I'm working on the admin side of things on the WordPress site. Uh, so I like the idea. Uh, I don't think the fear of forgetting how to work stuff if it all <laughs> fell apart is, is, is a huge deal. Because, uh, I mean, you'll still have to do it on your phone. You'll right. still have, you know, so I, I think that would be uh, a reasonable approach. And I really am kind of getting into the place where I see where a lot of these companies end up with, you know, these these enormous admin dashboards. And it's like, oh, cause, you know, they, they build out these whole little dashboard areas because I'm like, that is a quick way for me to catch up. It's a much quicker way for me to catch up on where things are in a project timeline than it is for me to go, you know, literally spelunking through my email to try to find what the last person uh, oh, well, this person said this but then the other person that's working on this project said that but they said that a week ago so like oh did you actually finish that no you didn't so right. uh, i gotta yell at you uh so it's a cool idea very cool idea uh customize your your admin area super heavy uh you know take out all the crap you don't use like comments nobody has comments on their website Let's take that goodbye out. comments <laughs> 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 yeah yeah, definitely. I, I It's something that I think maybe not in the very near future, but something that I think is going to be on my roadmap of working on because I, I'm exploring the Salesforce training thing too. So maybe Salesforce is the answer, although I don't, the pricing is, is off to me. But you know what I mean? Like having having that dashboard to log in, see what you need to do, get it done possibly even trigger timers because toggle is on the web so if you click on a your own pay then a your own pay admin toggle is triggered so you can get a report at the end of the month saying oh i spent 10 hours i really need to invoice that mic while i <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like oh i spent 15 hours on admin work for for bedrock innovations that past month man i really have either got to cut down on how much admin stuff i do or I gotta start charging myself for something. Like, right. geez, man, you, gotta, you gotta do something. We gotta cut. Costs have got to be cut somewhere, some kind of way, dude. You spend it too much time on this. Yeah. Maybe you should hire somebody. It'll save you more time. Get a hold of that admin. Maybe he'll get that all figured out for you. Yeah. yeah. Who is this guy? Man? He's always messing with stuff, poking at stuff. Who did that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did something interesting. I, I did not realize this was gonna happen. Uh, so I've been been playing with Duo uh, more recently because I, I realized that I had kind of let it slip from focus uh, because I don't have a good approach for people who don't understand why they need something like Duo. And I, that's something I do need to work on uh, it is an approach for selling Duo as a service. Uh, and not so much against Duo for me is very much like one password or or sync even like i don't necessarily or termageddon is even a better example right because I, I actually make some money off of termageddon licenses uh but i don't really care if you don't pay me for termageddon i don't care if you pay me for duo i don't care if you don't pay me for you know it, it's nice for me if you do that but really it's just like our affiliate link for updraft 
it's nice if you use that link because it doesn't cost you any extra money. You're going to nope. pay the same price either way. All right, same thing with Termageddon. Like my pricing that I charge for Termageddon matches their pricing exactly. There's no difference. Right. Uh, really, I just want some, I want you to use it because it's necessary. I feel like Termageddon is a necessary expense for a company. I feel like, um, you know, Duo or some system like it, I think Duo makes two-factor easier across the board for a lot of people than, you know, relying on somebody using an app for two-factor. Because notoriously, the problem that I see a lot of people run into is, one, they don't save those backup codes. <clears throat> and then they reset their phone or they get a new phone and they uh-huh. don't, either they don't know how to copy the data over or the data just doesn't come over. Because Google... Authenticator for years did not allow you to restore your authenticator codes in the app. So if you didn't think about that before you wiped that phone or before mm-hmm. you erased it because you got a new one and you've done all your migrations, it's like, uh-huh, yeah, now you're really screwed, If you, especially if you don't have those backup codes. Whereas Duo uh, is, is centrally managed. So, you know, much like 1Password, uh, except for me, <sighs> much like what password you have an <laughs> admin that can go in and reset your password so when mike you know is resetting up a device and he doesn't have another device handy where he signed into my account as a guest he's like can you reset my password yes yes right. i can uh you know same thing with duo right if you get locked out of your account like an admin on duo can go reset an, an admin within your organization on duo not the duo people themselves like don't call them they can't help you uh, your admin or your help desk <laughs> person can go reset that for you. Uh, and I think that push notification uh, is, is, I mean, it has to work, right? Because Google's adopting, Google has adopted it rather. Uh, yep. Microsoft is doing that in some some areas with their, their uh, authenticator uh, app. A lot of people have, are starting to switch over to this adoption of pushing notifications to to confirm that you are, actually trying to sign in apple actually does a version of that with their two-factor right and you see where the person is trying to sign in at so you're like oh no that's not me decline or yeah. you know deny because uh, <laughs> i'm not in south carolina today <laughs> uh, i haven't been there in 20 years but i've been playing with duo uh and i started working on setting up a sso uh, platform because one I wanted to get the exercise and the experience of doing it and figure out what the options are out there now Mike when I talked to you last about this I had found the mini orange plugin and I was like well the free version looks like it will well actually does let me set up uh, a WordPress site as a identity provider so that provides the identity that allows me to then uh, single sign on to other services once I connect everything up uh, including Duo. So once I authenticate and do the Duo thing, now I'm everywhere and I got a nice little uh, Duo Central uh, dashboard that I had started building out with links to things and all of that. Right. Since we had that conversation, I said, Mike, I'm going to have this up before we record the show on Saturday so we can talk about it. Well, we're talking about it, but I do not have it set up because I wonder if you can guess what happened. You ran into a user account block from Mini Orange where they're like, you oh, need to pay $5 a- user per month. That, man, I wish. Oh. If they wanted that, I would probably eat that cost, honestly, because anybody that I had to pay for would be, uh, you know, a paying customer. Right. right. I'm just going to, you know, set it up just, just for the hell of it. Like, hey, go sign in over here. And like, no. No, I would, no they want 500 bucks. Holy <laughs> shit. Day. For no, how I many? I think the free version would actually solve my, resolve my problems. They do have a couple of features that they drop out that I, I, I would, would be nice to have, but not for 500 bucks a year. 
Uh, I'm not at that point yet, and I honestly feel like that's slightly ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, no. So I actually was looking for the solution that me and you talked about, which is so could I? You asked me, could I use the Duo Central? Once I, you know, once you authenticated, could you click on a link for a WordPress site that you were managing and then be automatically authenticated into that WordPress site? And I said, well, yeah, you can do that, but we will first have to install the SSO plugin on that WordPress site so that it, it, it could authenticate you, you know, that way. So right. I started looking at those plugins and I was looking at a plugin from, um, who's I can't remember the company name now. Uh, I know, I know the company, but I just can't remember the name of them, but they had an SSO plugin in the WordPress repo. And I was like, okay, I can go test this one out and set it up on, uh, on the beta press site and see how that works. And they were like, so this plugin packages simple, S-A-M-L P-H-P. And I was like, oh, well, what is that? <laughs> uh, so the reason I'm not done is because I started looking at some simple S-A-M-L uh, P-H-P, which is a, a P-H-P written uh, uh, setup for doing one or one of the two things, either being the identity provider, which is what Google serves as for you with uh, – with Todoist, right? Right. As you signed into Google, Google's like, okay, now you're you, so I will authenticate you to this service. Uh, or being a service provider, which is what uh, Todoist is in that in that scenario, right? Because they're getting the information from Google to authenticate you. Yeah. Uh, so, and it, it looks to be, I've been reading up on the documentation, it looks to be a fairly straightforward installation. Uh, been following a couple of tutorials and making sure I understand everything, but I think I'm going to actually set that up. Uh, as the, or try setting that up and see how that functions as the SSO solution for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, I and me and you discussed this, I didn't want to have my main website be the SSO right, uh, or be the identity provider because if I screw up something on my site, then a ton of people are not going to, I want something that stands on by itself that basically I'm not touching it ever, like, you know, except just to keep it updated and maintained, but I don't want to be actively, oh, I'm going to do a complete site redesign. I'm like, oh, crap, I dropped the database table and I forgot about that plugin. Yeah. Uh, so this is a standalone thing uh, that I can host on a server uh, fairly simply. And, you know, just depending on what I'm looking at right now is the method of, of uh, the user directory I want to pull from. I think I'm just going to use an SQL database, though, because I'm, I'm a little bit more familiar with those. I definitely don't want to use any hard-coded passwords, and I want people to have the ability to change their own passwords. Uh, so I just, before we got on the phone, finished getting the uh, domain and stuff set up on the server. Now i got to get the software installed and all of that. But that is going to be probably the next thing that I tinker with. But all of this was to back because Duo has their, their SSO feature. And I really wanted to get a grasp and an understanding of how it worked. Uh, and in order to do that, I needed an identity provider. And I said, well, I can do it with Google. But I don't want to do it with Google because if I end up liking this, then I'm going to want to deploy it in other ways. And I certainly don't want to create random users for everybody that needs to sign into my site, not only because I don't want to do it because it takes too long, too much time spent. But also, you know, Mike may be OK with me being like, hey, Mike, you know, you can sign into my site, but you got to first sign in with this Michael at BedrockInnovations.com, <laughs> you know, Google user that I just randomly created for you. Michael would do that for me. Yeah, sure. Yep. Everybody else would be like, man, what the hell? I don't uh, want I'm another Google account in. to sign into. 
<laughs> yep, another Google account to sign into. Like, yeah. Man. I'm like, so did you get that out of your, I sent, I uploaded that file to your customer portal. Oh, I have never logged in. And I know exactly the first person that was saying. Uh-huh. Yep, me too. <laughs> we ain't going to name no names out here. Though. <laughs> they know who they are too, if they're listening. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I started working out a way to do this. And uh, the, the WordPress as as a as a identity provider uh, is absolutely doable. I think many oranges pricing is a little out of whack right uh, because if you have and let's let's take let's take acb for example let's say acb wanted to have this system in place uh for or one of the acb affiliates want to have this system in place on their wordpress site maybe they have a uh a, a one password you know business account uh because you know right. they're a non-profit they get stuff uh, or they have a you know Microsoft account or Google you know for nonprofits account, but they want a more centralized way to manage users that's simpler than digging around in the admin panel in Google for sure, right? Because most people get lost in there. Because presidents change, huh? I said because presidents change. Presidents change, yeah. yeah and you true. only and you want to be able to just edit it in one place, quick and easy. And, yeah. So let's just, you know, so, you know, if that was the case, like many orange cost 500 bucks and like it's for one to 100 users. It's like, okay, why can't you give me a price per user? Or why can't you give like duo bills me per user, right? If, yeah. I, if I set up a bunch of you, you set up a duo account. Just as a side note, because I do remember Jeff asking me about this. Jeff, I don't remember if I ever answered this question for you, but anybody else interested as well. Duo does still offer their free account for up to 10 people. Uh, and it is still free. It is on their site now. I think for some reason for a while it was not there. I'm guessing they got a lot of pushback. Mm-hmm. Uh, Probably. But it is now uh, clear, if you go look at their price, <laughs> that it is there now. Uh, but Duo charges per user. Like, I don't have a minimum user license I right. have to apply. I can pay for Duo for one person, just me, or I can pay for, you know, 10,000 people. Right, they probably should give me a nice discount for ten thousand people, but you know, you get the point. I don't like the bucket of users that you have to apply. I think that is an asinine way of doing business. Uh, uh, Okta is also the same way. Like Okta says, "Oh well, to do business with us, you have to pay a minimum of fifteen hundred bucks a year, and if you don't have enough users that you need all of the licenses that we're giving you, you still and you just hold on to them. You still pay for them, and it's like, dude, I'm just me." Right. I was talking to the Okta guy. I was talking to a guy from Okta. Uh, and he told me that. And I was like, all right, so this conversation is pretty much over because it's just me. Like, right. It's literally just me. I, I, I'm I not, not paying $1,500 for me to have SSO. No, no, I'm not. I refuse. Like, I absolutely refuse. Even if it was an easy spend, like, I could look at that and I'm like, man, I dropped more than that on entertainment stuff for clients, taking them out to lunch last month. Like, I don't care. That is ridiculous to me. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, that's why I was, well, we did get here because I, <laughs> I didn't really mean to get here today, but we did get here. I don't like these enterprisey companies that in their in their copy, in their copywriting and in, in, in the written words on their site, they make it seem like they're for everybody. But when you sit down and have a conversation with a representative about their pricing, it's like you're clearly not for small businesses. Right, right. But they're is no solution for small businesses unless you have somebody like me that's going to sit there and learn how to roll their own shit. Well, Man, that's the first curse word. I'm sorry. That is a fun. But it's it's true. Beep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it's true though because it's 
it has made me as a small business owner now not want to reach out to some of these companies because I'm under the impression, oh, you're going to be way too much for just me when it is just me because I've encountered that several times with other companies in the past. Mm. Where they're like, yeah, it's minimum of $1,000 a year. Yet yeah, that, that, that will not fit in my budget. That makes no sense. Yeah. Like, yeah. not only does it not necessarily fit in my budget, but even if it did, dude, like, it doesn't make sense. That's like me going to Apple and buying a, a, a like, I don't need it. So why would I go pay for a uh, M1? That's not what it's called. What is this new computer? Mac Studio. Okay, Mac Studio. Going to get a Mac Studio uh, with the M1 Ultra. Like, yep. That is a ridiculous waste of money. And then for, on top of that, I case. go buy it. And then I go on top of that, I go buy the XDR monitor. Yeah. Right. I don't buy the fifteen hundred, sixteen hundred dollar monitor. It just came. You buy the five grand, six K. Yeah. 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 Like that is a unnecessary amount of money for me to spend. No, it, it, that computer makes sense for some people for sure. I'm not saying that the computer mm-hmm. should not exist. I'm saying for me, that is a a, a stupid way. That is that is basically setting money on fire just because I could. Right, it doesn't make sense. That is overkill for what I need to do. But the problem I have with a lot of these companies, some of these things is like, okay, whatever, I'll move on to another service. There are other options. Where I see this and where it bothers me the most for smaller businesses, and even somebody that is running a, a, a small business where they have may they may have four or five or even twenty five employees. You know, asking that company to drop fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars a year for a service when literally what it probably actually costs for their for that service for them is maybe three to four hundred dollars a year like that that is you know for those 25 employees it's crazy and it 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 bothers me when it's somewhere in the area of something like security yeah uh that that's where it really starts to get to me you know if it's you know Bitly, I'm not really picking on Bitly, but I just remember when I called Bitly, <laughs> or the guy called me from Bitly some years ago, and he was, I, I was looking at uh, a short domain, and I wanted to do Bitly Enterprise, and I was or Bitly Business or Pro, whatever it was called, and he was like, "Oh yes, yeah, you know, four hundred ninety nine dollars a month." I was like, "Man, what?" <laughs> okay, so sir, you have yourself a very nice day. Right? I don't need <laughs> anything up there that much. Uh, it's like. You know, whatever, cool. I, I can go roll my own URL shortener if I really yeah. want to. And at the end of the day, is it really all that important? No, it's really not. But the security, like, you know, helping a, a small, and those are the companies I feel like they needed the most. Like, you know, a Microsoft, big, big corporations that are running, you know, several millions or hundreds of millions of dollars a, a, a year through their business, through their bank accounts, they pay a person that thinks about these things and figure them out. A small business that is barely doing a million dollars or a you know, 500,000 a year, a hundred thousand a year, they don't have the money and they don't have the staff to pay a CTO that sits here or a CIO that sits there and, and I don't want to say just thinks about this, but you know, that's his job is to come yeah. up with ways to secure the company, but they need the security more than a Microsoft. Right. In my opinion. Right. Because they're more vulnerable because they don't have that staff on hand. And as soon as things go sideways for them, like they're going to be seriously uh-huh. sideways. You know, Microsoft suffers a breach and they got people on call 24-7 that are like, okay, we this happened. It shouldn't have happened, but it's happened, but we can deal with it and we can resolve it. You know, if, if you know, some of the small business owners I have talked to and have worked with were to get ransomware at, at this point, like they would be completely 100% screwed and they would have no recourse, not even the ability to pay the ransom or, you know, recoup themselves or figure out how it happened. Like they need, you know, this, 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 
level of security a whole lot more in a, in a single sign-on solution like a Okta. Like Okta to me is per- perfectly, their tools, what they offer is perfectly positioned, I think, to solve that problem. But not for 1500 bucks a year for a company with five employees that's, you know, running a construction business or, or lawn care service like that. That's absolutely crazy. Small business owners deserve secure lives too. <laughs> yep, it goes back to something we talked about some years ago. I don't even remember what episode this might have been. It might have been like episode 37 or something. But we had a brief conversation about, you know, one of the things that concerns me about privacy and security in the world in general. Uh, this was several years ago because it was back when we did shows like every, you know, two and a half months or something. <laughs> uh, was it seemed to be that people who had money have the ability to have security or have privacy because they can pay a company to go scrub their data off the internet or they can pay a company to go do um, um, troubleshooting right. or, or you know to 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 deal with the messaging to shape their messaging or whatever to try to get them out of some stupid stuff they did when they was 20 27 you know but those who don't have those type of resources is like we're basically you're you're left out here to fend for yourself, right? And that was one of my bigger concerns, you know, and that, that falls up under the same concern I have about uh, you know, those of us with disabilities, like accessibility across the web. There's a lot of new great software that pops up all the time, but ninety I'm not gonna say ninety percent of the time. I'm gonna say a good seventy percent of the time, like there are major accessibility issues. Uh which leaves Wave us plugins just out here hanging around on the Mac. I mean, not, not, I say it's not security, but it's just software in general. Waves plugins yeah. on the Mac. Yeah. yeah. Like, we were going to go drop I mean, some money, generally. and I'm like, eh, I would wait to drop that money to Mossy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so did you ever get that resolved as no. an issue? No. no. I also did not have Mallory look at it. So I will have someone <laughs> look at it tomorrow. It literally pops up a dialogue that I'm sure needs needs some sort of consent or something is probably all it is. Um, yeah so yeah try so if you have the time try dropping them a note and see if they get back to you quickly yeah yeah i will um, uh, that would be good it's their support but we should probably wrap it up and uh hopefully next time we'll have more information about a sso solution that demasi is going to roll by himself like yeah, something like that. I mean, I'm using open source software. You know, yeah. that's why I love WordPress so much, though. Anybody can be on the WordPress site, man. You know, you don't have to have 5000 You don't have to be the New York Times and pay WordPress VIP $5,000 to have a decent website. Nope. $5,000 a month, by the way. Just, you know, be clear about that price. <laughs> nope. You can set your own WordPress site up and use whatever plugins make your life easier. And if you get frustrated with one, VIP. You can switch over to another Gravity Forms in order to make your life a lot better. Uh, that's all I have Demasi. <laughs> Show notes and more information. Uh, do you have anything else before I wrap it up? No, we are good. Uh, okay. We are good. You can follow him on Twitter at Payon. You can follow me on Twitter at, I don't know why you would do that, but uh, at Demasi, <laughs> D-A-M-A-S-H-E. And the show is at The DM Series. Show notes and more information at yourownpay.com forward slash DM91. And no, Jeff, we don't know what we're doing at DM101 yet. We haven't even decided. There's no 101. You didn't listen last week? It's over at 100, dude. 
he he called me and said, "What are you guys really doing at 101?" <laughs> I don't know. I I don't I don't think we're getting past 100. We will see. If you go support us at yourownpay.com/dmsupport, I mean, wait, no, yourownpay.com/support, then maybe there'll be a 101, and we'll call it Demasi and Michael talking about Jeff. Oh man. That's good. You've been listening to Your Own Pay Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, visit yourownpay.com slash cast for exclusive content and to contact us today. We're eager to hear your thoughts and about how you're making this podcast your own. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. The Your Own Pay Podcast, yourownpay.com.